The legal views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute or contain legal advice. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. I'm joined by my co-host, Dave. How's it going, Dave? A lot better than you. You look awful. Thanks. You just... the. I'm really tired. Your eyes are redder than a, a friggin' red light um, in, in New Orleans, in the red light district. You're... Your 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 growth on your beard is just it's it's hideous. Your 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 an odor is emanating from you, which could uh, kill a dead rhinoceros twice. Um, a lot of everything poignant imagery. Everything about you just reeks and says, "I am a desperate human man. Someone, please help me." And yet, no help is forthcoming. Sorry, I fell asleep during that because I'm really jet lagged. Yes, you came in from China. Uh, you you said you arrived at like six p.m. Saturday. You promptly fell asleep, kind of like a like a ninkum poop. There, that's that, that that's a rookie move. That's a rookie move. Yeah. As an international traveler, I could tell you, you stay awake till you get back on a regular sleep cycle. You fell asleep. Woke up at one in the morning. Have been up ever since, which means you've been up now for about oh, 13, 14 hours. Yeah, I'm still on China um, time. It feels you, like one thirty in the morning. You right forgot now. how to operate a fan in the studio. Um, you're wearing your pants where your shirt should be, and uh, okay, no, I was going to say maybe the shirts where the pants are, but said you have no pants. Um, <laughs> that's not true. That oh, it's very true. So I'm not going to take a picture of it. For if Twitter. we just make this whole episode you making fun of me for how tired and jet lagged I am from my China trip, do I just not have to talk? Like, can I just take a nap while you do the show? If this is all you want to do. <laughs> Rate, review, and subscribe uh, to us on uh, iTunes. Thank you very much. Also, we are on SoundCloud. Break the business. Hey, please throw us those nice, positive reviews. Don't don't let Ryan's horrible appearance and breath uh, take away from your listening experience. Please shoot it. Get us a five star. Breath? Give us a five star, please. Just give us a five star. I, I'm asking you. Listen. All right. Fine. You want to do four? That's fine. I'll take a four. Four or five. That'd be great. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at MetalDave85. You can follow my very tired, unrested friend at Ryan K A I R. Let's see, you can email the show at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. Send all your uh, sort of rest-related questions to Ryan. Why aren't you getting any? How dare you? Where do you get off? How do you sleep at night? Apparently too well. I don't sleep at night. That's kind of the problem. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. All right. Uh, Not really. All right. Uh, Let's see. (laughs) So uh, Ryan and I, you you and I both had uh, traveling plans. Actually, I was in China, too. You were in China. I was also in China. You were in China? I Yes, but actually, I, I did a little bit. I was more adventurous than you, because not only did I do China, I did Japan. I did Germany, France, England, Canada, Morocco, um, Norway. Mexico. Uh, that was towards the end, so it was kind of tiring, so we actually really didn't stop through Mexico. Um, I did notice they're getting rid of it pretty soon, though. Really? Yeah, yeah. Something about uh, new management not oh. wanting Mexico around. Yeah, got it. Got it. Um, <laughs> yes. No, I was at the World Showcase at Epcot Center in Walt Disney World. Woo! Yes. All right. It, and he's deciding if he was going to reach for the applause. I was going to do he the moved applause. His, he moved his elbow 
two inches, thought better of it, and decided, nah, I'm well, too tired. I can't do this. It's, it's not tired. Why am I going to applaud you for, you know, traveling three and a half hours by car to get to Disney when I went all the way around the damn world? Nobody fake applause is me. Ryan, I did three parks in a day. Not in a day. I'm sorry. No, that's stupid. I would park hop. Park Hopper, I think, is pretty dumb. You think about it. It's kind right? of a scam, right? It's, it is kind of a scam. No, we I did uh, the three parks in uh, three days. Now, here, here's a scam. Here's a scam, folks. Here's here's a Take it from me. Here's a scam, all right? Yeah. You know, I'm a Florida resident. Ryan's a Florida resident and also a resident of Dreamland right now. And um, <laughs> I always thought you can get Florida resident tickets if you are the Florida resident buying them. Ah, it's a twist. Twist. Ryan, twist. Yeah. I like the way you did the awe there. It was like the Jeff Goldblum awe. Yes, all right. Um, uh. You have to be a Florida resident to use them. Yeah. So that's what stinks, unfortunately. And my, my girlfriend is not a Florida resident. She lives somewhere else. And um, so what we did, Magic Kingdom, Hollywood Studios, Epcot, three days, a lot of fun. I haven't been to I haven't been to Magic Kingdom and Hollywood Studios in a long time. When was the last time you were there, buddy? A couple years ago. Did you like it? Magic Kingdom? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Great contribution. Um, so, <laughs> so actually, at Hollywood Studios, I, I, I did some firsts. I had actually never been on Tower of Terror, nor have I ever been on uh, the, rock and roller, uh, the, 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 the Rock and Roller Coaster. Really? Yeah, the Aerosmith ride. Really? And actually, that was my Why? first ever roller coaster with upside down parts and corkscrews. I, I have, I've, never really, I've never been a roller coaster person. Ever? So that was n- never. So I've never been upside down on a roller coaster. It's usually just been, I mean, fair roller coasters, I don't trust them. Don't trust them. The Miami-Dade County Youth Fair, haven't been in a while. Have you seen people that operate those things? I'm not trying to cast aspersions, but I think they're all on meth. Um, <laughs> but, I, I mean, rock and roller coaster, I get it. It's a fairly new ride, but Tower of Terror has been there for 20 years. I was a scaredy cat. What do you want me to say? Were you a scaredy cat, like, in your 20s as well? Yes. Oh, well, you know, I don't want to kind of rub it in then, but I mean. Can I just say something real quick? Yeah. You look awful. Shut up. And why are we devoting, like, we both we both traveled somewhere. Why is all of the personal talk about you traveling to Disney World when I went to China? I saw the freaking Great Wall, hey, hey, man. Hey, hey, hey Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Like, that, I, I, that seems I, like it warrants more discussion. I, I don't mean to interrupt your weird vacation story, but I forgot we got to get a piece of business to work here. This is actually like a real show with work. Coming up uh, in the second segment, we got J.P. Calillo and Rory O'Farrell uh, on the show. Uh, Rory O'Farrell, excuse me, easy for me to say. I sound like Ryan right now. Rory O'Farrell, uh, the owner of Melocity. Am I saying that right, That's Ryan? Right. That's Velocity. great. Great countries. Melocity. Basically, it's sort of a Google Doc type thing for uh, music creators. Basically, it's, it's like a garage. Imagine like a garage band sort of thing where two people can get on it and create music together, change levels together. That way, like, you know, you're, we're in Miami and someone's in England and, you know, I can move the levels up here in Miami and it's, it's reflective over in England. So basically, you're doing a studio session, for, you know, uh, remotely from far far away it lets multiple people create recordings together in real time on a web-based platform so you don't even have to da- you know buy any software or you know download anything super cool right hey, 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 hey ryan what you're interrupting my story about disney <laughs> you sneaky bastard. anyway so Hadn't done Tower of Terror. I end up in the corner front seat where they've got like a little hook, little handle thing that I, I've, I've got a death grip on this thing. This, it, it hurt my hand at the end, all right? 
Yeah, take take the levels down a little bit. I, I, I can feel it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, the, the lady closing the door said, "If you don't, if you have any bags, or whatever, hold on to them. If you don't want them flying, Cause there's no like thingy, so I got to hold on to the bag I have. It's you know, kind of an one old hand. ride, so." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, ended up going up and down a number of times. <sighs> yeah. Um, that was interesting. Rock and Roller Coaster, that was the one where I'm just kind of like, oh, God, okay, here we go. It's okay, Dave. It's okay. It, and you look at me at the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the picture afterwards, I'm just very sort of serious and just sort of looking, just like, just like, okay, you'll be okay. You'll be okay. It's not like scared or anything. It's just like, okay, okay, this is happening. This is happening. Okay, this, we're upside down. This is happening. Um. Yeah, very interesting though. This is a little surprising to me. I've known you over twenty years. I didn't know that you were a fraidy cat when it comes to roller coasters. Hey, hey Ryan. How do I not know this about you? Hey, hey Ryan. You know what? what? You know what I haven't done in twenty years? What? Interrupt your stories. Anyway, um, <laughs> the best part about this was the first thing we did when we got in Hollywood Studios was head to Star Tours because I'm. If listeners of the show will know, I'm kind of, ki- kind of, kind of a fan of. Star Wars. Yeah, you've been Star Wars. In it. Oh, I should have opened the show doing it that way. Here, let, 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 let's go back to one. Back to one. Back to one. Hey, everybody, welcome to the show. Wait, no, no, sorry. Back to one. Star Wars. Star Tours. Star Tours. Star Tours. Star Tours. Star Tours. Star Tours. I feel like you have more energy for the both of us. Well, because again, Ryan, you look. Awful. I went to China. Why aren't we talking about China? Why are we talking about Orlando? That's old news. They, that's, that place has been there for thousands of years. That's true. Orlando, not so much. And it'll be swallowed by the CIA soon anyway. Um, yeah. Anyway, did Star Tours, right? She had never been on it. So I'm not sure how she's going to like this. You know, she's not a big Star Wars person. So we go on. We do it. Ah, oh, it's so much fun, man. Star Tours. Ah, oh, God, you got to go on it. Have you been on Star Tours lately? Yes. Great contribution. Just really <laughs> nice way to elaborate on that. My God. He's Man, this is, this is such a catch-22 for me, because if I say anything more than that, you're going to go, don't interrupt my story. Hey, hey, buddy. What? Don't interrupt my story. Yeah, see. There we um, go. It's done. She goes, let's go again. Like, well, really? Really? Like, yeah, let's go. So go right, right off, right back on, get back in line. Again, off, right back on, three times in a row. What I did on my own in Disneyland, she wanted to do. This was amazing. And then... We did it two more times throughout the day, five times, a record Star Tours for me now. I, I even broke what I did in Disneyland on my own. So I've been on Star Tours nine times within the past five months. That's healthy. That is great. I'm thrilled for you. Pal. That is great. Uh, you know, magic. And, and ooh, the, 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 the final Star, there's like now a Star Wars themed fireworks show at the end with like laser lights and all that. That they put like on the screen, actually like uh, on the on the Chinese theater. See, oh look there, see I, uh, Chinese there, there. Um, and um, yeah, it was absolutely great and amazing. Um, everyone should go to Disney. Such a magical place. Such a magical, wonderful place. I mean, yeah, I guess. nice weather I mean, too. Most people go there with their children, but you know, grown adults going there, that's fine too. Did you go to China with your children? No, I don't have children. There you go. Great contribution. Um. So anyway, that was really, really great. I had a really, really great, restful, wonderful weekend. Uh, and I'm rested now because I'm a professional and I care about the show and I care about you, the audience. Yeah, big time difference between Orlando and Miami. 
Yeah, because it makes you feel like a kid again. So it's like uh, like a twenty some odd <laughs> year time difference. Douche. Gotcha. I got I got you so hard. <laughs> now here's the problem, folks. I'm gonna let Ryan talk about his China thing, and then he's gonna talk some business for you. And I don't know what it's gonna be. I I don't know what the article is he's gonna talk about, or like the serious music business thing that the show is allegedly about. Eighty episodes in. 80 and episodes. I, and I feel sorry for you folks because I can't handle this now. And like I said, he looks awful. I'm so tired. Oh my! I mean, I feel like you've taken all the air out of the travel segment. It's like suffice it to say, I went to China, my second trip there, saw the Great Wall with my wife, and Forbidden City, and all that stuff. It was fantastic. Let's talk some music business. That's no. We, we give more. What, what, what else do you like? Give more to your second trip. By the way, I I, I did two trips before you. Just to, just saying, I, I'd beat you. I've been to China before this trip. Yeah, I know. You said this is your second time. And I've, yeah. I've been second. I've been. I've already went to the China second time way before you. <laughs> so you know. No, it was a really good trip. Did I go to China and before you also? Like the first time? I went to the first time. I went to China was in 2014. Oh, okay. No, okay. So, you beat yeah. me there, but I went back sooner because I guess I cared more than you, <laughs> which is weird considering you have your in-laws there. I do. So I, I guess you hate them. I saw the in-laws only for the third time. Yeah, that's uh... see both. No. Okay. That's right. Dad's up north. Dad's way up north. Yeah. But we didn't we didn't we didn't get up he he is a he was a plane flight and an eight hour bus ride away, so we weren't able to get to him. But I did uh see my mom in law and my sister in law and they're doing great and they could not have been more hospitable mm-hmm. and we don't speak the same language at all, but somehow it still works. And it was just such a fun trip. Yeah, you let your Mandarin go. I did. And the first time you were like studying, you were on it, you were knowing all the different um, tones and everything, like all the different, fo- you said like, shh, 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 I can't do it. You, you should, pro- well, I don't know if you can even do it anymore. Yeah. G- could you give the, could you give the listeners a taste? Of Mandarin? Yes. Uh, ni hao, wo jiao, Ryan. Okay. All right. That's, that's very cute, Ryan. I, I don't want to put the E tag on here. <laughs> okay. More? Just, what, what else do you want to hear? Fine. How, how do you say what else do you want to hear in Mandarin? Uh, that I don't know. Could just say anything. Uh, I'm sorry, folks. I thought I was going to get this guy to be serious with me here, but he's just but talking he's, gibberish. He's just talking about his gibberish. Yeah. Well, it's true. I feel bad about it. Like the, when I when I first was going to meet my in-laws back in 2014, I really studied up on the Mandarin. I wanted to get super good at it. I wanted to learn as much as I could. And now there's a part of me that's like, I've kind of bagged her at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, excuse me. You mean like with the legal marriage and all that? Yeah, like she she she's in now. Like you know, do I really need to study anymore? And okay, you know, I'll tell this story on the air. I'll, I'm going to tell a Mandarin story. Okay, go. All right, this is a very embarrassing story for me, but. This is what happened when I tried to learn Mandarin. So I, I studied when I was first going to meet my in-laws for the first time. They weren't my in-laws yet. I was just, you know, future in-laws. Um, I wanted to make a good impression on her mom, who doesn't speak English. So I spent a bunch of time learning Mandarin on Rosetta Stone. And I studied and I studied and I studied. And I got pretty okay with Mandarin. And so when I met her mm-hmm. mom for the first time in Shanghai, um, she was there. We're all around a dinner table. A bunch of family members are there. Like, all of her random family members, like, all came to visit the American. It was, right, yeah. You, you, you were an oddity. You were something yes, to behold. That's right. And they beheld me. 
And so the mom's sitting across from me, and she says to me in Mandarin, tell me about your family. Oh, God. And I'm like, I know this. <laughs> I, like, I, I do the processing in my head. I'm like, I know the answer to this one in Mandarin, and I'm super excited. And so I tell her in Mandarin, I tell her I have two brothers and a sister. I say, And I'm feeling good. I was like, nailed it, 100%. I look across the table. My future mother-in-law is horrified oh no jaw dropped and everyone at the table this cousins the sister they're all freaked out i look over at my future wife who is laughing her ass off uh-huh. and i say to her in english darling what did i just tell your mother and she said you just told her you have two sons and a daughter <laughs> Now, to be fair, on the Rosetta Stone exercises, I commonly messed up brother, son, sister, daughter, and I could not have messed that up at a worse time because there was a 30-second bout where her mom thought I was just spreading my seed throughout the countryside. By the way, how are little Caitlin, Derek, and Pepe? Oh, they couldn't be better. All right, great. Especially Pepe. Oh, that's so good. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was was a terrible first impression. Thankfully, it still worked out. But... Good. Now I just told that super embarrassing story. That's actually a funny story to tell Chinese people uh, because they get the punchline before the Americans do. Oh. Because <laughs> I, you know, I say it in Chinese and they all laugh and the American goes, what's so funny? That's true. I didn't know. <laughs> there you go. I had no idea. All right. So anyway, Ryan, can I just let you know something? What? Before you hop into the business part right now. Okay. You look awful. <sighs> Thank you. You're quite welcome. I'm so tired. I'm going to go to bed right after this. All right. <laughs> so... Um, and because I was in China, I normally spend the whole week researching articles that I'm going to talk about on the podcast. Well, I know you don't, but some of us really work on this. No, you don't. Huh? Sometimes you don't. I, I do. Like, well, because it's a matter of being on Twitter and reading the trades and all this stuff. The problem is I get most of my music business news from Twitter and Facebook, mm-hmm. both of which don't exist in China. Oh, that's right. So I had no connection to the outside world. Well, the you three had the, things the Chinese that, music industry though. Oh yeah, no. You can get you could have been more on You top probably got some it. great A block Chinese music industry That's stuff. That's right. Um <laughs> but basically my three most important tools that I use for this podcast. Gone. Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, all banned in China. Gone. So yeah. I had no window to the world and so I didn't really get to do much research until today. And unfortunately, the worst day to find to read any news is April 1st. Oh, yeah. So here, here, is my, here is my process. I'm looking up articles, and I see one in you know, one of these industry publications that I read. Coachella's been canceled due to you know, a, a illness that's spreading throughout the city. Oh, my God, that's a good topic. Never mind, it's an April Fool's <laughs> joke. And then, you know, oh, Google's acquiring Spotify. Holy crap, that's a great article that has implications for artists. April Fool's joke. So I just, I just screw it. Just like, yeah, every article that I found was an April Fool's joke and I had nothing to talk about. And I finally found a nice little article. Mm -hmm. Uh, And before we bring in JP Collio and Rory O'Farrell to talk about uh, Melocity and have JP talk about his music and he's great. He's a friend of the show. I figured I'd bring up this article. It's uh, in Music Think Tank. It's from uh, somebody I really enjoy following on Twitter. She's a good follow. Sue's the rock star advocate. Terrific music business consultant. She wrote a nice article called Why You're Not Getting What You Want. And she talks about something that we're going to talk about in the next segment with JP and Rory, 
which is about collaborating mm-hmm. and interacting with others and networking. And what she talks about in the article is that one of the biggest mistakes that indie musicians can make is not building out your network, not putting yourself out there. And she provides some nice, useful tips on interacting with others to achieve success. These are some tips that I've incorporated to some extent in the work we do around here, and it's been a big help. And, um, you know, it's something that if more artists can do, and, if, and frankly, if I can do it more, it's going to be good for all of us. Um, one of the first things she says is that when you're trying to reach out to find new people to collaborate with, whether it's new musicians to make music with or other industry contacts or people who book at venues or you know, potential managers, booking agents, uh, you know, song pluggers, whoever can move your career forward. The first place to look are pe- is within your own network. So one of the tips she gives is to identify people in your current network who might know individuals who could be great connections. So sometimes it's hard to cold call potential people, but you might already have some people that you know through six degrees of separation. So when you're finding people to add to your network, you should start with people who are already in your network and you might be surprised how many people you might already have in your network through this six degrees of separation. So from the article, the Rockstar Advocate notes that you should send out personalized emails to existing relationships you have, letting them know, one, the types of connections you're looking for. This is key. Two, asking them if they know of anyone that they should, you should be reaching out to and connecting with. And three, if they'd mind facilitating an introduction. And you know that's a, obviously a big component of this or at least be able to say, hey, so-and-so said I should talk to you, so you have that kind of way in. And it's going to lead to a number of, I'm sorry, I can't think of anyone's, but it can get you a few key introductions, uh, which you know can really get you started in the right direction. And I can tell you in my own experience, uh, a lot of the guests we get on this show are referrals from previous guests or mm-hmm. people that I know in, in our existing network. Um, number two, if you do have to cold call if there are individuals that you'd love to get to know, but you don't have a mutual connection, don't be afraid to just reach out to them directly. Find that person's email, and you can find almost any email these days online. It's kind of amazing. Even big CEOs, you can find their email somewhere, or at least find somebody who can, you know, sort of like a connection or a contact us board. What? <laughs> Sounds creepy. Well, it, Big CEOs, you can find their email somewhere. Oh, oh you know you can. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, and you just inter- you know, and you write an email, you introduce yourself, let them know you think highly of them. And once you build that connection, you can then interact with them when it's appropriate. Don't spam though. You know, once you have that contact and if they were gracious enough to return your email, don't abuse this. Cause not only will you not get that contact, but you're kind of screwing over every other musician because once one of these people gets burned once by some musician who spams them to death, I'm guessing they're not going to interact with any right. musicians on a cold call anymore. Um, and in my experience, I found that you can get more luck with this when you write a truly personal email. People can always tell when they're being spammed or when they're getting a cut and pasted message. You know, it, and it's so, fr- I mean, I, I see this all the time with this podcast is, you know, some, I'll get on some musicians mailing list and they'll give my email address to other people and I'll, I'll get a email that says, dear, Ryan and usually like the Ryan's in a different font mm-hmm. than the rest of the email. So I know they just kind of stuck my name in there and then I just get some random paragraph talking about their career and I know it's cut and pasted. Mm-hmm. But so if you really want to hit a home run with this new contact you're trying to develop, write something personal, even if it's short, 
show this person that you've gone out there, that you're interested in what they're doing. You know, don't just hit them with the same slop or they're, or you're going to get deleted. And this is kind of related, though it's not in the world of email, but Twitter. This is my biggest pet peeve. I hate this. And by the way, if you do this as an artist and I follow you, I'm going to immediately unfollow you because <laughs> it's so frustrating. I don't know if you've ever come across this. You ever followed a musician on Twitter and you get the stock message, like they'll send you like a message in your DMs, you know, that's that makes it look like they just message you personally. Hey, thanks for the follow. But you can tell they just have some bot that automatically sends this thing to every new follower. Right. I mean, nobody actually ever responds to those, right? Like nobody goes, oh, this person's reaching out to me. I, you know, I should write right back. Like if it's, if I can tell it's a stock message and that's, and I'm not any kind of clairvoyant person. Anybody can tell you're writing a stock message. If you're actually going to do that kind of Twitter, thanks for following crap, actually make it a real message. Like if you see somebody's followed you and you think they're interesting, look up a little bit about them first, figure out how you might be a good connection for them. And then write them a personalized DM. It'll yeah. take a few seconds, but you're going to get a much better yeah. return rate. Actually, I got that from John Ratzenberger. Ratzenberger? Yeah, when I started following him, I got like a, one of those bot messages. Yeah. At first, I'm like, oh, John Ratzenberger messaged me? Should I let him know that I you know, do his voice on the show? <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was, it was just like a bot message. Does he write the way he talks? Um, like, was it like, hey, era, Dave, thanks, era, for the follow? I can't remember. That sounds funny, though. I probably should just say yes and and move on. Yeah. Yes. What else? <laughs> and uh, finally, the last piece of advice she, uh, the Rockstar Advocate gives, uh, which uh, spoke, speaks specifically to uh, networking through taking parts in panels and showcases. Uh, she talks about that you should identify areas that you have ex uh, expertise in, some area in music that you know a lot about, and use that expertise to find opportunities to be on panels. Uh, Suze recommends using IndieOnTheMove.com to find festivals and conferences you can attend and reach out to those folks directly. And you're going to get a lot of no's, particularly if you're new to the panel circuit, mm -hmm. because these panels like to have people who've been on panels before. But no's are okay, because once you get a no, you've built that contact and you can always try again in the future. I can tell you when I spoke at NAM, that NAM speaking opportunity came from getting a no. Mm -hmm. I went to them first and they said no. And then, but once they knew who I was, I kept in touch with them over mm -hmm. the year. And then when Nam started coming up again, I had already established that line of communication. I told them all they had known all the stuff that was going on and, and the, with the podcast mm -hmm. and everything. Cause I, uh, kept them ab abreast of it. And then when I applied again, it was a, I was a quick yes. Ah, nice. Yeah, and and they asked, "Why isn't Dave coming along?" That was what it was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I still thought that joke was funny from the last episode where uh, they talked, you know, saying, "Why didn't you get everybody on Bridge the Atlantic?" And then I said to Evan, "Oh, you, you want to go on Bridge the Atlantic?" And yeah, you know, then you didn't get to be on. Great contribution. That Ryan. joke was funnier in my head. Anyway, I'm that so was a great article. What was it again? That was why you're not getting what you want from Suze the Rockstar Advocate in Ooh. Music Think Tank. I just pulled it up. I got bad news for you, buddy. What's that? That was an April Fool's. <laughs> JB Callio and Rory O'Farrell coming up next. Wait, hold on a second. Don't what? listen. Don't listen to this guy. He's he's really, really tired. You can't trust a word he says.
Rory O'Farrell and JP Collio coming up next on the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time. My new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry. Thanks very much for your support. Welcome back to the Break the Business podcast. We are happy to be joined this week by friend of the show and acclaimed indie musician J.P. Collio. You can check out his weekly releases of original music by visiting jpkalliomusic.com. We are also joined by tech entrepreneur Rory O'Farrell, who is the founder of the music recording software platform Melocity, which allows musicians to collaborate on recording projects anywhere in the world in real time. Visit www.melocity.com for more information. JP, Rory, welcome to the Break the Business podcast. Thank you both so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Of course. Thank you very much. Um, I am thrilled to have you both here to talk about collaborating. Collaboration is so important for indie artists, but collaboration in music is nothing new. Uh, in fact, one of my favorite brands from when I was in college was the Postal Service, which got their name from the way they made music together, which was Ben Gibbard and Jimmy Tamborello sending tracks they separately recorded back and forth to each other through the mail until they finished an album. Today, Technology has made it easier than ever for musicians like JP to work together no matter where they live. Rory, what does your platform, Velocity, do to help musicians collaborate on recordings? Yeah, um, I suppose when we went about setting it up, um, if, if I went back a few years, um, I saw a lot of time wasting taking place. So obviously Dropbox was an amazing um, platform to allow musicians to send bigger files, you know, if not, if not, been in the same room and across across the world or across the country or maybe across the city they were in um but had, for me it, it's a bit slow you know you end up with um scenarios where you send the file to somebody uh, and then you're kind of waiting for it to come back and then there's a lot of uh toing and froing a lot of uh, file sharing needs to come back and forward and different drafts and for me it was just too much it was it was too much too time consuming so for me, I suppose, Melocity, uh, we, we basically looked at it and said, is is technology at a point where people could work together live? And and that question, I suppose, I posed that originally to myself uh, and a few uh, musician friends of mine around 2011, 2012. And the answer that I got back was no. You know, the broadband speeds aren't quick enough. Um, you know, it's not going to be a good enough experience. Um, so that, I suppose, is how we wind forward to today. So essentially, what we've built is a just a, a platform where obviously you go to velocity.com um, and you can record or upload directly into the platform. But the beauty of it is the fact that uh, a musician, you know, that's maybe on the other side of the world um, can, if they record, let's say guitar over your drums and um, you'll see it load in live on your end. Um, and it has built in messenger where we can communicate uh, rather than having to do it, let's say through Facebook messenger or something like that. Um, and it, again, there's no file sharing. So all that time wasting is cut out. So for me, I suppose the level we've got real-time collaboration at right now is is amazing. It's it's as close to being in the same room as as you could imagine. Um, but I think we can go a lot further with it. You know, this is version one, um, and I, I I my head is already, I would like to say a year from now, but my head is already 
way down the road. What we've built now is actually what I had in my head in 2012. So my head is, is, is into 2027, uh, I'd imagine, somewhere around there. So um, I think the, the difficult thing is the platform is amazing. It really is good. It has this wow factor when people use it where, where you're just like, wow, you know, that was really quick and it was an amazing experience. But for me, that's, you know, the 2012 in my head version. Uh, and, you know, I want to work towards uh, building the, the the futuristic version that's in my head right now. So it's an entirely web-based platform. You don't have to get software from a store or anything like that? No, that was actually one of the big keys and one of the big focuses we had. I didn't want to have something where somebody had to download um, to, their, to their laptop because for me, the vision that was, again, in my head was one where a musician can be in their friend's house and maybe say, look, um, I've got this new track and I can, can maybe open their friend's laptop and still have access to all the projects that they're working on. So for me, it, the, the, one of the real important factors was that it can't be downloadable. It has to be available. Your files are everywhere, so, you know, similar to kind of Dropbox. You've got access, but not only that, you can record directly into your, into your account from any laptop. You can upload directly into your account from any laptop. And I suppose, you, meaning you can you can make music wherever you are, you know, provided you've got a, a laptop, um, you know, you can you can work away and create. So that's so cool. In addition to this real time music collaboration aspect, there's also just a music community aspect of Melocity. You have a, just a bunch of musicians on this platform that are constantly interacting and networking, right? Yeah, I, th I think we're at the early stages of that. Um, you know, the mo biggest request we get by email and I mean you know when we get into the office in the morning uh, we've had emails during the night um, when we you know are in the office during the day we get emails right throughout the day and that question um, is asked in lots of different ways but it's predominantly musicians asking for us to help them find a like-minded musician to work with so we get emails after emails of people going can you help me find somebody um, that I can create with um, so that is, for me, our big vision. Our big vision is a LinkedIn for musicians uh, where you can find somebody, you know, like-minded to create with. So we are in the early stages of that. So we are in kind of version one of that, where if I'm honest right now, Ryan, we're, uh, we are that connection. So when somebody emails us, we will try and connect them up with somebody else that's using the platform that we, that, that's similar. But obviously we want to build a social network around there um so that's kind of going to come in one of the one of the more future versions well that's an exciting prospect and that brings me to this question for you jp uh don't worry we didn't forget about you <laughs> um <laughs> let me ask this question to you you're somebody who's one of my favorite indie artists you collaborate with other musicians all the time so this is a great inquiry for you for the musicians out there who are interested in collaborating more with other artists who are inspired by what they're hearing from rory about building these communities do you have any tips on helping people find musicians to work with, particularly if they want to look outside of their own hometown to do it? Well, Ryan, for starters, um, that's kind of one of the, the, the aspects of Velocity where I, why I stepped in here, and it is that I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely doing that. I'm, I'm the person, um, or me or Rory, that if, 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 if you are in that situation, just drop us an email um, at either Rory at Melocity.com or JP at Melocity.com. And like we're literally doing that at ground level, uh, person to person. We're, we're, we're looking for those people. We try to get them involved in one of our group collaborations and hopefully they meet through that. Or if, if it's a case of uh, that they have something specific in mind, then we're going to go to our database and try to see that if there's anybody there who wants to jump on their project 
or even more so like with some of the projects that we do is like we do these big group, group collaborations and there might be some musicians that are a little bit shy on working on, on, on a big group at this stage. We also like I offer some of my songs for them to like, like look, here's one of my songs. Um, you want to just give it a go and see what you can do with it. And I set them up private to a project, which is only me and them. So there's, there's loads of different ways you can do it through Melocity at the moment. So it's look, it's, it's an age old problem and it's um, it's, it's something that uh, I, I think musicians have always struggled, especially like when you go more rural, rural places and, uh, and the creating arts can be a lonely place. So that's one of the big things that we really want to try to solve here, you know? Well, how about when you're in your own hometown? Uh, what, what do you have to do and what are the, some of the techniques you observe to get out of your own shell, to look outwardly and to network with other musicians? Well, you have to get out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have, you have to go with, whether it's shows or... Uh, well, to be honest with you, online is a great place to do that as well these days. Um, the problem that I've always found was... Uh, it's even if you do find those musicians, it, it, it becomes a time management thing. And, and it, it's like, you know, having everybody in the same place at the same time. And, you know, when we're going from like you recording your own setup to you having to record several other people, it, it then becomes also a cost thing. Whereas like, I mean, if you can get them, everybody to record their own stuff at home. Um, it, it's a, it's a huge uh, time saving and uh, you, you don't have to be aligning everybody's schedule the same way as you would in uh, in arena kind of real life scenario no so in in that in, so in that same vein uh, what are some of the common pitfalls that you have experienced or you've seen other artists experience when trying to collaborate with other musicians either physically or online and uh, what have you done in your own experience to try to avoid those kind of pitfalls I keep, you know, you know, Ryan, you know, we talked about in a, in a past episode about how much work I've lately done on YouTube. And I think that's a great example of how, how um, I think a lot of musicians kind of forget the importance of collaboration. And, and mm -hmm. like in, in YouTube, it's just a simple thing that you just look at. Basically, you just go out and look at somebody who has a similar amount of following than you do. And you say, listen, let's collaborate together. And you kind of share your fan base and you just keep on doing it over and over and over again. A lot of musicians, for some reason, um, I used to be uh, blamed for the exact the same same thing as well. Like, I mean, I, I made the same mistakes. That, that I, you kind of you kind of think in the beginning parts that it's all about just you, and anything that takes a focus away from you might be a bad thing. But actually, my personal experience in a, in the past few years has been just the opposite. That the more you reach out to other people, the more you collaborate, and the more you donate your time outside that your own really really private circle. Uh, the more growth you see and I mean that's been the massive thing for me is like you know get out there and do it that's the number one thing and, and you know I'm a big advocate of getting out and doing stuff anyway but uh um it's it's that like you know we need to see action we need to see you getting out there and collaborating with other people step out of your comfort zone as well often you know often these collaborations might not be exactly what you had in your mind in the first place but it's the quickest way to learn something is, is to work with other people who might have more experience in some other aspects um, of the music that you might not. And you, you, you learn by doing, you know, it, there's no other better way of learning than by doing in my books. You can, you can practice in your, in your bedroom as much as you want, but uh, until you put it into practice, to practice into some actual genuine actions, um, it's, it's not kind of, it's, not, it's it hasn't been really tested until you get to that point, you know? So when you reach out with potential collaborators on YouTube, is it just a simple matter of sending them a message saying, hey, I'm a big fan of your stuff. I think we can do some things together. That's where it usually starts. Um, 
it can be difficult sometimes to get them to reply um, because, well, it depends. If, if, if you know it's a match, um, it, it'll be easier um, because then there's a bigger chance that they reply to you. But uh, I think that the biggest problem in YouTube, a lot of people do this, that they kind of uh, go out of their own league to, you know, somebody, you know, if you if you got a thousand subscribers and you reach out to somebody who has a hundred thousand subscribers, there's a big chance that they don't see the value. Like it, it's all about you have to offer them value to make it kind of uh, worth their while working with you. And I think that's that's the big thing, like in music as well, like you know, offer value before you ask. And, uh, you, you know, that's a big start to great things starting happening. No, very good point. Um, Rory, let's let's go back to Melocity here for a sec. Uh, there are lots of recording platforms out there, and there are even some that permit some level of collaboration what sets Melocity apart in your view? You've said in the past that you've emphasized trying to make the software as user-friendly as possible, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, for me, uh, and it may seem simple, but I believe what sets us apart is the fact that we are we have absolute laser vision on making a really simple collaboration tool. And I, I say that sets us apart um, because of the fact that oftentimes when people try and build a product, they, they, they get kind of, if you've ever heard of uh, feature creep, where they think that a better product equals a lot more features. And anytime, anytime I've seen um, companies, you know, try and somewhat do what we're doing, um, it, they tend to, to build features and features and features and build this very complicated product. And what we've done is we've just kept it super simple to a point that my goal is that if, if somebody who's starting out in music and is only maybe picked up a guitar last week and um, goes onto our platform, it's intuitive, intuitive enough that they will kind of easily know how to use it so for me um it sounds again basic but i think our, our big advantage is where we have laser focus on being an amazing collaboration tool an amazing focus on keeping it very very simple um and and therefore making it easy for the masses you know that you know any musician you know whether they're um you know comfortable with technology or not will be able to kind of get on there and use the platform and that makes perfect sense, given your organization's mission. You, you've told me that this is all about trying to get as many musicians in the tent as possible. And part and parcel of doing that is not having a significant learning curve, you know, allowing yeah. any kind of musician to not need a degree in computer science to be able to create on your platform. That's great. Yeah, because, you know, um, and, and I think the simplicity thing, if, I, if I'm honest, if I was to wind back to the, the, again, the version that was in my head a few years back, it was a more tech heavy version. Um, but in those years that we, we weren't building the product, um, I was meeting musicians and I was interviewing people um, just to kind of get a feel for what, what was required. And the funny thing was, was that a lot of musicians, and I, again, I didn't realize this at the time, but a lot of musicians were saying that they found the existing DAWs that are out there, um, you know, your Ableton's and your, your Pro Tools and that, they've, they've, a lot of musicians found those too tech, technical. Um, and when, when obviously I probed a bit more and said, but, you know, what's, what's technical about them? The common answer, I suppose, we got back was that they said, I don't want to focus on and learning something very tech heavy. I want to focus on creating music. Um, and because we heard that um, back from musicians in different ways, shapes and forms, I suppose we kind of went about going, well, let's build something that that person understands. And let's build something where if somebody's afraid of a, a DAW, that when they look at our platform, they nearly get excited on the first visit because they go, this looks easy. This isn't what I was expecting. So for me, yeah, we, our, our, the kind of, I suppose, journey of the product changed. The goal of it being an, a collaboration tool didn't, but the making it as simple as possible, I suppose, happened over time that we saw the importance of it. 
Well, if your goal is to get people excited, I can't think of a better way to do that than to give them a real-life example of Melocity in action. And you guys have been kind enough to forward a fantastic song from J.P. Collio, and I love playing his music any chance we get on this podcast. The song's called A Thousand Sleepless Nights, and it was actually a collaboration done on Melocity. Uh, is that right, J.P.? It is. Um, can I give a quick plug to the uh, guys as well? Of course. Yeah, we've got a couple of... I got on... I personally posted this first on my own YouTube channel and um, and asked people that come on, let's 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 do a nice collaboration over Melocity. And uh, there's a, quite a few people jumped in, but there's a few people that kind of got in there straight away, and they were like very actively. They wanted to put stuff down, and they were throwing ideas and like you know, there's a there's a drummer called Aaron Levy from Louisiana who uh, did a like you know you expect somebody to you know, throw a track, but he straight away, again, like, you know, I went to bed the next morning, there was three different drum tracks and he said, like, listen, whichever works the best, uh, I love you to use it. And then I got got talking to um, another another creator called Azzy Crawford from Seattle, who then laid down loads of stuff. He put the bass line, he put the keyboards, he put the electric guitar and loads of backing vocals as well. So a big thank you to those guys for uh, jumping in on the first one. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, so this is a song you made with uh, three, you know, you and two other artists in two different countries. Um, so excited to play this for everybody. This is Thousand Sleepless Nights by J.P. Callio and his collaborators here on the Break the Business podcast. Sacrifice 
was Thousand Sleepless Nights by J.P. Kaleo here on the Break the Business podcast recorded on Melocity. J.P., you want to give another shout-out to your collaborators there? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Big thank you to Ozzy Crawford and Aaron Levy for uh, making such a great track with me. Oh, it's so exciting to see the world getting smaller and see collaborators on different sides of the world make fantastic music together. And I know that uh, it's just one example of many great pieces of work that's going to be uh, created on the Melocity platform. Uh, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Before we let you go, I'd love to pose this question to both of you. Uh, first to Rory, uh, do you have any final tips you want to share with the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'm not a, a, um, uh, an indie musician myself, but I have spoke to loads and loads uh, over the years and I find, I suppose, a lot um, don't get out there. And, and one of the big differences that, I, that I've seen, you know, when I, when I met JP first, probably a year and a half, just maybe just over a year and a half ago, um, I met JP, um, you know, as uh, true velocity, actually, through what we were trying to do. And JP was just always out there. And JP, when I went, went to meet him first, um, I would be taking notes. Um, and I'd be taking notes because he was so out there. He was he was uh, he was uh, he was teaching me how I could market velocity better, and uh, you know t- he's been the, if I'm honest the, the the big example of exactly what you should do. And I would say that most you know musicians if they did half of the stuff JP does they would still be doing well. And and when I I remember when I met JP first he you know I met him and, and went then went and looked him up and he had I think over two hundred thousand uh, Twitter followers. And I was like, wow, how has this guy done it? And the longer I've known him, the, the longer, uh, the more I've seen that it's, it's hard work. You know, it, it's, it's him being acro- working across, you know, all platforms that, that are available, getting his voice out to, you know, uh, you know, it, it, as many um, people as possible and, and taking on some pretty big tasks, you know, writing, I think wrote a song every week for the last three years, three years wrote a song every single week and, and stayed um, disciplined and, and stayed focused and, and, you know, it takes, I think, a lot of effort. But, if, yeah, JP would be the example of the person 
that, that I believe would, uh, if people can copy his lead, you know, they'll do very well. I could not agree with that more. Uh, JP, same question. Right. Um, sorry for this, uh, this, uh, this is a guilty blog, but uh, your, your, Ryan, your post on TuneCore, um, the blog post was absolutely brilliant. And I think it, it sums up of something, something that I think went kind of wrong in the past 30 years, if we think about the whole record industry, was that if we go back to like the, the early, you know, 50s or 60s, uh, where, the, where the recording industry was only like growing up, um, but if we go in the early days of Elvis and all these artists, like there was never like years between albums. Mm. They were churning out singles all the time. And it wasn't uh, like this massive, massive, big operation. It was like get in the studio, get it done, get it out in, in, the, in the radio the next, next week, if, or if, if even, not even quicker. And I, I think we kind of got lost somewhere along the way that the recording industry, that the whole recording process has to be this massive, 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 massive thing. That's not really good for your fans. That's not really good for the people who actually want to consume your music. So I'm, I'm, as you said, hyper creator, like get out there and do more. Like there's no excuse because the one thing, one massive advantage you do have as an independent artist before you get to the point that you're, you're literally touring all the time is that you have time. You have time in your hands. Use that time. Like, don't like, you know, if you spend your time, your most of your day on a Netflix or, or on, a, on a you know PlayStation, then you're wasting your time. You know, if you want to take the music career seriously, do more. D do all the time. Do more. And, and the other thing you actually mentioned in the article as well, like the, the, there is unbelievable power and value in collaborating. Because, as I said before, you know, that's, that's where you're going to expand your own skill set and you learn more. So, yeah, get out there and do more. Yeah, I'd say, can I add to that? Something you made yeah. me think of there as you were talking. Um, last November, I went to a music festival and, um, and I saw two, two musicians speaking on the stage. And one guy was more established and had been around since kind of the, uh, I suppose, the early 90s. And then the other guy was just out a few years. And what was amazing to see was their, they had a very different perspectives on, on where music has gone. And the guy that had been around um, since the early 90s said, you know, it's, uh, you know, the way it's gone has ruined music. And it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just not fair. And he, he was very, um, I suppose, unhappy with the way it had gone. And the other guy who had only, only been kind of new had, had JP's mentality. And he was saying, I would not be sitting here you know, having a career in music only for I got to take control of, of, of exactly where I was going. It, it wasn't a record label. It meant me standing, you know, out on the street promoting my music. It meant me getting out there. It meant me being the voice of my brand. Uh, and I wouldn't be, you know, sitting here with a, with a music career except for the fact that the industry changed. So I suppose it kind of backs up what, what JP has said and what I said. It's, it's you know, take, taking your destiny into your, into your own hands and making sure that you're getting out there and, and looking at yourself like you are a brand. Not just Absolutely. going. Um, um, I'm a musician, and I, I can't. It's it's difficult to break through. Um, I I really think that it's um, yeah, it's about taking control, and I think as well. I suppose the, a lot of the stuff you read now is about how um, there's no money in streaming, and there's no money in in uh, you know the musicians aren't getting paid enough money. But there's so many mediums and so many ways you can actually promote yourself now, um, and just it's just about I think getting out there and 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 you know, getting, getting, promoting and getting into the right channels and getting in front of your fans. Marvelous. For your own career. Yeah. 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 Spoken like a true entrepreneur, uh, JP, Rory, thank you both so much for joining us. Uh, all the best of luck. 
with Melocity. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching this take off and be a great asset to musicians. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. All right. Don't be a stranger. Love to have you on again real soon. We'll be right back on the Break the Business podcast. Friend of the show, John Ratzenberger here with Ryan Carella, author of Break the Business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry, available on Amazon.com. Ryan, tell the folks a little about the book. Well, the book's about empowering Well, artists. that's fascinating, Ryan, but it's only a 15-second commercial. Thanks. Welcome back, everybody. Our thanks to J.P. Collio and Rory O'Farrell for joining us in the previous segment. Visit www.melocity.com to learn more about Rory's Melocity platform. And you can check out J.P.'s Melocity-produced song, Thousand Sleepless Nights, at jpcolliomusic.com. That's J-P-K-A-L-L-I-O music.com. Can I let you know something, Ryan? Yeah. You look beautiful. Awful. <laughs> yes. Oh, and I feel awful. Uh, I'm looking but, at you makes me feel awful. But I'm gonna I'm gonna be tough. I know people love this pop culture segment, so I'm gonna fight through it and you know overcome this jet lag. And oh my god, you know I was just thinking this about the jet lag. Yeah. So I woke up at 1:30 this morning because I literally couldn't sleep anymore. And I started thinking to myself, because I was super productive. Like I, you know, I unpacked my clothes and I did my laundry and I cleaned out my email inbox and I got the stuff ready for this podcast. And I did like 15 other things I had to do on my list. And mm-hmm. I was like, this should be my life now. Like getting up nine hours before the rest of the world does and just getting ahead of the day. I mean, it felt awesome. And I know I'm going to feel terrible in like an hour when I fall asleep at three in the afternoon, but I mean, couldn't I make this my life? Can I be? Can I live on China time forever and just be super productive in the morning? Smash cut to Ryan holding up a sign by the road in the future because he has lost his job and home from this horrible plan. Work, work will let me leave at two p.m. Right? <laughs> this is in Spain, <laughs> and even then, I'm no, not sure sorry. how they do it. If, if you send me home for three hours, I ain't coming back. <laughs> Screw you! Oh, go have lunch and take a nap at home. Yeah, come back at like four or five o'clock, whatever, and stay till nine. Yeah, sure. No way, buddy. I'm gone. <laughs> All right. So for this C block, D block, what do we call it these days? We used to call it the D block, and now because it was like DF for Dave. God, you're so tired. Shut up. All right. So for this block, we, 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 we love to do the fun stuff, the pop culture stuff. And I wanted to start it off, Dave, by doing something new. So I have two stories okay. of schools doing stupid, ridiculous things. Okay. And I want you to tell me which one you think is more ridiculous. All right? All right. So first one, this is a high school one. This is from CNN. An Alabama high school student wanted to take his grandmother to his prom. Senior Bryce Main wanted to take his grandmother, Catherine, because, as his date because she had never attended her own prom when she was young. What? Let's continue. Nice thing. Nice, sweet old lady who wants to make her prom dream come true. You know, trying to be a cool grandson. Anyway, Bryce's school is not allowing it. Citing safety concerns, they have prohibited Bryce from taking his sweet old grandmother to his prom. What they specifically said was that 
There were fears that the kids, other kids will kind of do similar stuff and make a mockery of a, of the prom as if the prom is this highfalutin thing that we, you know, have to hold in high esteem. Sacred institution. Yeah. yeah right. And then apparently they also cited rules against taking older dates to proms because I guess they don't want yeah. buying alcohol or something. As if yeah, like there's a bunch of minors there. So. Yeah, gra- you know, 98-year-old grandmother is going to just you know buy a bunch of booze for everybody. Yeah. But anyway, it, it, it started a hashtag of let nanny go to prom, which is starting to trend on Twitter now uh, because of how absurd this is that some nice young man can't take his sweet old grandmother to the prom. Okay. Wait, are you on the school side on this one? Well, do I need to hear the second story first? Okay, sure. Okay. All right, so that's so, one story. So that's, that's one story. That's pretty damn absurd. Okay. All right, so now from the Huffington Post, a North Carolina school suspended a five-year-old student for one day for playground misconduct. The infraction, pretending a stick that she found on the floor was a gun. Officials for the Hoke County School Board said that the little girl made a shooting motion with the stick and thus posed a threat. This was in North Carolina? That's right. And the, the thing in the write-up was, how dare you? You should respect the Second Amendment. You should use a real gun. That, yeah, I believe that was, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's five. What are we doing? Right. Yeah, okay, I guess the second one's ridiculous. First one, I get it. Listen. You get it? You you don't want to create precedent where all of a sudden you got freaking grandma passing out pills left and right from her uh, prescriptions. We don't know what's going on. You know, Nana's hopped up on Molly, getting the kids all crunked up and everything like that. Sooner, before you know it, it's a freaking ultra festival going on in there. Kids are bringing their grandparents from all corners, getting high on God knows what. And probably low cholesterol, too, but at least that's good. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I can hey, see man, how... you want some Crestor? You know, and then some of this is like, oh, hey, if you can bring his Nana, why can't I bring my 45-year-old boyfriend, John? No, because that's different. Like, there's obviously a clear line there between the sweet old grandmother, who, by the way, there's a picture on Twitter, like she had already bought the dress for the prom, and you just see her standing there in the dress... With a frowny face because her dreams got crushed. Oh, come on. And, her dreams were not know, crushed. Some 18 year old cheerleader wanting to bring, you know, some 43 year old guy named Ron. Like, we can clearly, I mean, really these two stories are the same, which are stupid schools doing stupid zero tolerance policies and not being able to discern the difference between harmful conduct and harmless conduct. A stick is not a gun. And a grandmother is not a 43-year-old guy named Ron who's going to give everybody vodka. Well, let's say also she's she's dancing, whatever, doing the jitterbug, doing the Charleston and everything. And, like, some <laughs> someone twerking, and, you know, next to her, you know, it grazes her, pushes her down. She breaks a hip on the basketball floor. Uh, liability, hello, payday for granny. You know, school board, there. Yeah, aren't you a lawyer? Shouldn't you be foreseeing these things, Ryan? You don't think yes. You, you know what? You don't think I'm the venue the, has insurance? I'm the inter- what venue? What venue is this? It's probably a gym. A gym? A oh, I'm gym? Sorry. I'm sorry. What? A gym. <laughs> like, do you think every prom is like still from the 1950s? Like, who has proms and gyms anymore? Proms are proms are at like hotels. I didn't go to my prom. You didn't go to your prom? Yeah. So if I couldn't go, Nana can't go. Well, and maybe you wouldn't want the opportunity. 60 years from now for your granddaughter to take you to prom so that you can fulfill this Are dream. Are you kidding me? That's bleak. <laughs> First of all, you're the the grand is this a grandson? Yeah. Yeah. 
is basically broadcasting to the world, I got no date, okay? No girl wants to go with me, okay? Not even the weird one, all right? Not even the weird loner wants to go with me, okay? The one that's just sketching, yeah. okay? And and maybe in like five, in four years in college, she'll take off the glasses and it's revealed, oh my God, isn't she beautiful? <laughs> but no, this kid is basically broadcasting... I'm a loser. No, it's true. No, he obviously doesn't have a date. We can agree. But it's a, it's a veteran move. It's a smart move. To take your grandmother? Like, if you, if you know you don't have a date, because then, like, the taking of the grandmother is like, you save face. It's like, oh, he's a No, that's like, taking this, that's like taking the sister move. No, 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 no. It's because taking a sister is I'm desperate, but I still want people who maybe don't know me to think that I have a date who's my age. You're bringing your grandmother. You're making it clear that, oh, I'm all about just doing a sweet thing for my grandmother. You know what this is kind of like in a weird way? This is such a random reference. But in the 2008, no, 2006 CPAC conference. Wait, no, 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 sorry. It's like, no, yeah, 2008. Why are you Mr. CPAC conference on this show? I know, isn't that weird? So, no, it was the 2006 CPAC conference, all right? And John McCain and a bunch of other Republicans were invited to the conference. And you they, don't say. At the conference, they do the CPAC straw poll, where all the guys who are running for president, all the conference attendees vote uh-huh. for who they think should be president. John McCain knew he was going to lose because it was a very conservative conference, and so one of the more conservative candidates was going to win. And so what he did was he got up there and he said, I don't want you to vote for me. Instead, I want you, CPAC attendees, to cast your vote for George W. Bush, who was the president at the time, to show that we all have solidarity with the man in charge. That was a veteran move. He didn't actually want, care about people showing solidarity with George Bush. He just knew he was going to lose the vote, so he changed the rules of the game. This is the same thing with the kid in the prom. He knew he wasn't going to get a date, so he made it not about him not getting a date, and instead made it about, oh, I'm going to do a sweet thing for my grandmother. This kid's going places. This dateless this kid is analogy going sucks. That's a it's and a great frankly, analogy. Think, Everybody understands the analogy. No, I th- and, and frankly, your your CPAC agenda is starting to, th- to show through, right? We have had an unusual amount of CPAC references in this podcast. I do concede. Are you? Wait a minute, Ryan. Are you really House Speaker Paul Ryan? This whole time. And your hatred of government is such you don't actually work here. You just on Sundays do a I'm podcast. I'm just saying. You know, replacing Medicaid with market-driven forces, not a terrible idea. You monster. (laughs) In fact, you look awful. Yeah, I feel awful. Do you think the longer pauses are making it funnier? Well, they hurt me more, so I'm guessing that's funnier. Because I find there's a relationship between the more that you hurt me on this show, the more people are amused by it. So, yes, I do think they are becoming more hilarious to all people who aren't me. Okay, good. Stick Next week's episode will be an hour of just pauses. <laughs> yeah, so those are both. Oh, I, uh, yeah, uh, the, and the kid with the stick, uh, I guess, whatever. I can't believe you're on the side of the school with Grandma Gate. Yeah. And do you think she, does she really want to go? No. No, she really wanted, like, that she really wanted to go. Right, how old are you? 31. 31, yeah. Okay. God, do you so want to be around? To think of that. Do you want to be around teenagers right now? No. Do you think you want to be around teenagers in five years? Maybe my grandson. It, in five years? No. Sorry, I thought you were saying. <laughs> do I want to be? I'm tired. Yeah, no, exactly. probably not in five years. No. Okay. Not ever. Right. 
No, like what, when I'm a grandfather, I'll probably want to be around my grandchildren. Uh, maybe. Maybe not wanting to go to prom. I rest my case. <laughs> Five years old and suspended. Suspended. Really? That's the ridiculous part. Like, if we, if we want to take some stand about we don't want kids turning inanimate objects into guns, I mean, how about, like, a stern reprimand, but suspended from school? Silence right! Start my segment! Now it's time for Dave's Metal Minute on the Break the Business Podcast. Yeah! That is right. I have returned for Dave's Metal Minute. How you doing, Ryan? I'm a little tired, but I'm good. Ryan? Yes. You look awful! You look as if Satan himself took a massive crap. And out of that came some sort of weird mixture of Pol Pot and Stalin. Kind of harsh, maybe, I know. I was about to say, damn, those people, it's like, Killed people. They killed lots of people. Your five o'clock shadow is killing me, Ryan. It's, it's more, more, more to the shadow at this point. Yeah, it's actually it's like a six o'clock shadow. I mean, it's really uh, six six p.m. That's when I went to bed last night because I'm so jet lagged. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know why they call it jet lag, Ryan. It makes it sound like the tired goes away fast, but it doesn't. That's true. Should be called like rowing lag because it's slow, <laughs> laborious. First bit of news. <laughs> Ryan, I've got a great story here. I got great news for you, buddy. I'm excited. Up the band, a perfect circle, have signed a brand new record deal with BMG, Ryan. <laughs> That's a terrible story. For them, maybe. And for your idea of no record labels. But for us in hell, they've joined us. <laughs> Oh, I get it. They're they're in hell. Yes. Record apparently labels it's been 13 are a tool of Satan, apparently. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. That works. It's been 13 years since the band released their third album, Emotive, with some weird spelling in there. It's lowercase e, capital M, capital O, capital T, capital I, capital V, lowercase e. Oh, what a crappy name. Damn. And with the deal now in place, they said now they confirmed that they have new material in the works, right? So they've been apparently waiting for a new deal to start working. <laughs> They don't listen to the show. <laughs> I kind of like this idea that the record labels that we fight against are all just tools of the devil. It just puts a whole other great biblical spin on our... It makes it seem like what we're doing is a crusade. This is great. Ryan, the demon Sonius. Sonius. Universalis. And what, and about, what about the third one? Oh, Warner Brothers. <laughs> it's the same. That's right. So we're looking forward to one day on this show have some sort of story about, oh, they're trying to get out of their deal because it's restrictive. <laughs> they won't. <laughs> Next bit of news. Ryan. Yeah. The great, the powerful Lemmy. May he forever ride eternal. On the Thunderhawk in the sky, we miss him so much, Lemmy. Turns out he uh, was recording some material, unfortunately, before he passed away last year. And uh, a solo album 
will probably be released later this year. Really? Yes, this is according to producer Jim Vox, who is a guitarist for Skew Siskin. I, I don't know. <laughs> He'd been working on Lemmy with this long-term project, and he reports that everything is in place for a 2017 release. Really? We are very much in the last stages of the Lemmy Sobel album. I still don't know when it will be released, because it's in the hands of Motorhead Management, and it just took a while. There's so many things he had left, so many recordings, they all want to sort out how to proceed. So it seems like we're going to get some more Lemmy stuff as our time goes on. And this Ryan brings up an interesting point. People record more when they're dead. It does sort of seem like every artist who dies, the day before they die, they just record like a thousand tracks in the studio. Right, right. So we at Break the Business have a piece of advice for you. Me and Ryan both, we, we agree on this. You all need to die first, and then your music will hit it big. I don't know if I sign on to that. Yep, you're, you're all listening to this, driving your cars, on a treadmill doing laundry. Take a left off the bridge, okay? Set the treadmill to insane speed, stick your head in the dryer, and then your music will be big. That's ridiculous. No, that's, that's terrible that's, advice. That's the way it works. We can't advocate for people dying. Yeah, we have. <laughs> no, what is this we? Hey, no, 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 it, no. It, it's on the show. It has made it to the air. The sacred podcasting air, which they there's a gate guarded by demons. That's how they let people through in the podcast. Not anyone can just get on the air and create a podcast, right? There is a strict, rigorous test that we must pass. <laughs> you don't remember doing it. I did it for us. What was that? You don't remember doing the test. I do. I oh. did it for us. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So therefore, you know this is good advice. So, all I, you listeners out there, drop dead. Maybe unless we like you, we have a relationship with you. Yeah, we we have a lot. Of, we've made a lot of friends on this podcast, Metal Dave. Probably it, it, it will make people. it. It will make it hard to have B segment interviews. That is true. Yes, <laughs> I'm yes that's true. I feel like Metal Dave didn't think through some of these. Silence, Ryan. I'm really tired. Don't yell. You look. Awful. And that's saying something. You live in hell. <laughs> I mean, they do. It's wonderful. Like you see people like decaying and on fire and stuff, and I look bad to you. No, I mean Dick Cheney looks pretty all right, I guess. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I insulted your CPAC friend. <laughs> <laughs> Next bit of news. Oh, one more, okay. Next bit of news. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. A kitten in New York appears to have a mutant-like healing ability. What? Yes. A tiny, cute, little, cuddly kitten, Ryan. What about it? It's a mutant. Like, like it, it heals? Like Wolverine? or Ryan, the severely burned male feline, estimated to be less than six months old, was found about three weeks ago with burns over half his body and four teeth missing, the New York Daily News reported. Since that time, the kitten has healed far more quickly than expected, prompting the staff at animal care centers in New York City to name the little fella Hugh Jackman after the iconic Wolverine character. <laughs> Quote, he's incredibly resilient. Treating vet Dr. Tara Bellis said the Daily News, you could call him a superhero cat. Ryan, do you know how many lives this little cat has? A nine? 666! Oh, of course. 
<laughs> How do I miss that joke every time? But Ryan, this vet is wrong. Oh, really? Yes. He's not a superhero cat, Ryan. He's a super villain cat! And we here at Dave Hellman, it hopes he grows into a powerful, primordial beast, like a saber-toothed tiger of old, but ten feet tall, with fangs that spew out bats and venom, and takes over the world, Ryan, spawning forth an unholy army of fellow villainous cats, also known as cats. Will he like to play with bits of string, too? Oh, my God, dude. It is so cute what he does. And give him the catnip. Dude, the pupils go wide and everything. And he just, he's fun. And, and oh, it's so cute when he's tuckered out after a long play. Aw. <laughs> Ryan. Yes. You're a tu- Was that a, a growly yes to try to make fun of me? No, it was yawning. I'm tired. Your tiredness is affecting my show, Ryan. Your show? What? And you're, you're still not even hitting the tag. <laughs> I don't know when you want the tag and when you don't. You're a shitty producer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tired. Anyway, we hope this cute little fella goes, keeps going strong and uh, regrows all of his uh, teeth and everything. And maybe even grows a few more. Maybe like almost like a kitten geeter sort of thing. Maybe like a Hydra type uh, cat thing. Oh, my God. Dude, could you imagine the cuteness of like a Hydra cat? That sounds horrifying. Why not? All those extra little heads you get to bonk with your forehead and everything. It's so cute. All the meowing in the morning. Oh, the meowing in the morning is probably going to be kind of annoying wanting the food. Yeah. From like nine heads. Yeah, it's a lot of meowing. And now, does it eat just as much because it has more mouths or is it still one stomach? So, uh, I mean, I think it'll be able to render the flesh off of you completely, Ryan. Oh. So, yes. That's comforting. So, it was- I was going with a comedic pause. Ryan. What? You look. (laughs) Awful. (laughs) Well, Metal Dave spoke, Ryan. You look awful. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> our thanks to J.P. Collion, Rory O'Farrell for joining us. Yep. And our thanks to Metal Dave, of course, for yep. being mean to me as always. I'm not mean. I'm just... No, he's not mean. He's just... Uh... <laughs> sure you, buddy. <laughs> do me a favor. Yeah. Get some sleep. Will do. We'll see you next week on the Break the Business Podcast. Mm-hmm.